Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 to number 1 because this is Top 5 and that's how listicle-type things work. I'm Steven Schleicher, and this week, as always, somebody wrote an email this week and said, Hey man, I don't know if you uh, still take listener suggestions for Top 5, but I've got a whole bunch of them. Sure. And And I wanted to reply back, well, you know, for the last, I don't know, year and a half, everything has all been listener suggested. Yeah. So uh, this week, listeners suggested top five fictional hats. I did not include masks. I did not include helmets. Right. I just included hats in my list. And uh, my number five is uh, Papa Berenstain or Papa Berenstein, depending on which uh, universe you're <laughs> universe in. Hello, you're in, alternate yeah. timeline people. Hello, uh, Stephen. I'm talking about, his, talking about his bear hat. I don't know what the hell that thing is. It's like an <laughs> inverted honeypot that he wears on his head, and it's made out of some kind of cloth. But as soon as you see it, you know that it has to belong to one of the Berenstain Bears. And so that's my number five fictional hat. Rodrigo, what do you have? Uh, let's see. Uh, my number five is a similar sort of uh, incomprehensible hat. Uh, and it's, it's, it's in my list because I've always wondered if there was ever like a real world equivalent to that hat or if it's just something weird that somebody drew and that's Goofy's hat. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, it's like it's green and it comes up and it's got like maybe a part in the middle or maybe it's like a green chef's hat that got inverted but also has like one of like the like like a a, divot in it yeah yeah it's it's really weird and it's very um distinctive um but i i i it made my list because i've always uh really at at one point when i started thinking about Disney character hats, I was like, well, Donald's hat, for example, is an actual thing. Right. But right. Goofy's hat, I have no idea what that's supposed to be. I've actually seen it in live action on a human head. If you've ever seen uh, Oz, HBO's Oz, which is a story inside of a prison, uh-huh. there's there's a character named Simon Adebisi who is played by Akini Eduale from Lost and several other things. And he has that hat. He's bald, but he has that hat, and it's somehow like glued to his head. It's the freakiest thing ever. Oh, but it it's almost the, the exact same hat. Does it sit on the like the crown of his head or something, or does it actually go? No, all the it kind of sits. Head? It sits at an angle on one side of his head, and it literally looks like Goofy's tiny little hat. I swear they glue it on with like spirit gum or something. Yeah, but it's fascinating to look at. Mm, interesting. All right, Matthew, what do you have for your number five? My number five. It's a hat that is spoken of in hushed tones, in secret societies, in back hallways and smoke-filled rooms. It is the official hat of the great and secret loyal order of water buffalo, as seen on the head of Fred Flintstone from the Flintstones in 1960-whatever. It's a fuzzy blue, almost like one of those Cossack hats. I'm not sure what they're called. With water buffalo horns sticking out of either side and then like a, a crescent and a moon on the front and it's just full of portents and, and masonic symbology and also it's this blue hat worn by a cartoon caveman but whenever i think of you know this was the first thing i said to my wife what's a, what's a good fictional hat and before i finished the word hat she started telling me about her favorite fictional cats but as soon as I as soon as I corrected her as to what I was saying, she immediately mentioned 
the helmet, the hat of the Loyal Order of Water Buffalo from the Flintstones, which, by the way, I would wear in real life if I had one. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. The Grand Puba. Yep. Yeah. I would uh, point us all to our number fours now, and this one has got to be, I'm surprised it's so low on my list, but Mm. it's got to be one of the most easily recognizable hats in all of fiction. It is worn by Mr. Sherlock Holmes, his deerstalker cap, that he wears while he tries to solve crimes. I always wanted one of those growing up, but now thinking about it, I think you would just look ridiculous if you were not well, stalking a deer, you look you like know, you have a gravy boat calling on your head. calling up the deer late at night and hanging up the phone, mm-hmm. driving by their house <laughs> at weird well, hours, know, looking up their yeah. name in the phone book to see if it's Mister and Mrs. You know how you call a deer, Stephen? Not saying that I know someone who's done that, but I know someone who's done that. <laughs> <laughs> the mating call of a deer goes deer. But uh, Sherlock Holmes, I think everyone, when you think detective, thinks to deerstalker hat, and that is my number four. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number four? Uh, my number four uh, is another cartoon hat and another Hanna-Barbera hat. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because uh, Top Cat um, mm-hmm. is is a character that, you know, who has a, a lot of personality just by looking at him. You can kind of, even if you've never watched a Top Cat cartoon, if you wa- if you see a picture of Top Cat, you know what that guy's about, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's you know, Top Cat's got a lot going on. And it's like, Top Cat's a, a yellow cat, and he wears this, I believe, actually, you know, in, in the, the, the written notes, it's, it's a mauve hat. He wears a mauve hat and vest. Um, and it's interesting because if you look at the color wheel, then it makes sense because, you know, yellow and purple go well together. Um, but if you literally take top hat, top cat's hat and you give it to any other character, it becomes a pimp hat, um, (laughs) which is, which is interesting. You know, this, this hat for me thinking about it really makes the list because no other character could pull it off except for top cat. Yeah. Um, or possibly some other yellow character. Yeah. And it has holes for his ears. It does. It has holes for his little ears to poke through. Yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Which, you know, also, yeah, if you ever saw like an actual cat wearing that hat, it would possibly be the most adorable thing in the world. Right. Writing uh, a Roomba. I think the the Twitter is ready to make that happen. Yeah, probably. It's going to make that the next internet meme. Real cats wearing fictional hats. Looks like a little straw boater hat, maybe, or something. Yeah, I think, I think, I want to say that basically Top Cat is secretly, is like based on guys and dolls, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know it's vocally like, he's Sergeant Bilko. Um, yeah. Silvers. It's, it's like um, the hat that like Frank Sinatra wears as oh. Nathan Detroit, I think, is, is basically what it's supposed to be based on, I would imagine. He does look a little like Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's I I want to say that's what they were going for. There's no, I I've Probably. never found any official paperwork on that, but I think that's what they were going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just like the idea that it's a pimp hat. Anyway, yeah, Matthew, what do you have for number four? My number four is very similar to Rodrigo's number four, except in as much as it isn't a cartoon character, although the character who wears it can sometimes be described as a cartoon. Um, and this is unique to me in that I have never seen it. It comes from literature, and anytime you see an adaptation, or at least anytime I've seen an adaptation, they've left the hat out. 
but the description of the hat in the original text describes it as dark red, round with a very flat brim, moving as if balanced on gimbals, perfectly horizontal at all times, even as the owner moves his head. And this hat is, of course, worn by the average undergraduate who wears hats or just one hat, Svlad Shelley or Dirk Gently from Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. And they describe it, Douglas Adams, the writer, describes it as it might be an elegant adornment if the wearer were a small bedside lamp. <laughs> and I just, I love that description, partially because when I first read that story, I had a hat that I loved to death and that I wore incessantly. Oh, that corduroy thing? Yeah, it was a sort of, it started out as a nice gray and it eventually turned into a greenish corduroy hat. But it was a, <laughs> yeah. it was a fine hat. It was, mm -hmm. a, it was a hat that has now been ruined yes. over the years because it is actually an actual fedora. Not what people call a fedora these days, which is a trilby, yes, but that's not Because there. fedoras are made of, of uh, suede and corduroy. And felt sometimes yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, um, it's actually one of the remarkable things. Whenever I read Dirk Gently and the sequel, whose name escapes me, I think. Long Dark, maybe dark the, Tea Time of the Soul. I always picture Dirk wearing his big ugly hat. And anytime you see him in comics or if you see the television series, they don't use the hat. Or if they have, I haven't seen it. Which is always disappointing to me because that hat is so, just that description is so perfect and so weird and so awful yet descriptively perfect narratively elegant that I always picture Dirk in a long coat and a big dumb hat, which is why it's my number four, Dirk Gently's Red Round Ugly Hat. Excellent. Uh, my number three is probably uh, one of the more popular books in, or one of the more popular hats in fiction, because it tells you where you belong. Uh, it tells you whether you want to be a Gryffindor or a Ravenclaw or a I Hufflepuff say it was a beer or helmet. a Slytherin. No, I said no helmets on my list. You belong. It here. is the sorting hat at Hogwarts. Uh, so much so that you know you can even go online to what is it the Potterverse dot com. Pottermore, I think. Pottermore, that's what it is. And uh, you can you can do the sorting hat quiz, and it will tell you what house you belong in. So the sorting hat is always great because you never hear. I mean, in the book, when you put the sorting hat on. It talks to you inside your head, right? You hear it say, oh, I see you have this feeling or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then it tells you where you belong. But like in um, um, and then it proclaims loudly what house you're in. Gryffindor. Uh, but you never see that. Like you never see anyone when they go to the uh, Harry Potter experience at Universal or wherever that's at. Uh, you never see the hat that they they put on people's heads doing anything like that. So mm -hmm. I find it incredibly fascinating, incredibly scary. It's the sorting hat at Hogwarts. It never makes a mistake. That's my number three. I had a friend who, when the first movie came out, cried because the sorting hat has a song in the book mm -hmm. that didn't make it into the movie. And she cried because she so wanted to hear the that's, sorting that's hat. That's what she went for, is to hear that. That's what she song. wanted. That, mm. was her, that was her thing. Yeah, things lost in adaptations. Right. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number three? Uh, my number three is uh, Louise's hat. From oh. Bob's Burgers, oh, uh, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, which is a little bunny hood, uh, like a pink bunny hood. Mm -hmm. uh, now this is, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it makes the character really distinctive, uh, especially when compared to other characters in the show. Also, uh, I, it it really kind of um captures what Louise is about you know in a lot of ways she is really smart 
like smarter than a kid her age has any right to be um really kind of perverse in a lot of ways um kind of a, a really dark person uh but she's still like a little weird child and the hat is like a way to kind of contain that in a sense if you've seen uh there's one episode specifically where she loses the hat and she kind of like weirdly loses her will to live during it um, and kind of starts going basically darker than louise usually goes um it's it's pretty interesting so yeah my number three is is kind of what uh, keeps her under control in a sense or, or, or kind of caps the the nonsense that is louise belcher mm-hmm. yep <laughs> i like seeing people when they do that in cosplay it looks great yeah yeah all right, Matthew, what do you have for number three? My number three is a hat of, of song and, and much rejoicing. And they actually say there must have been some magic in this old silk hat. For when they placed it on his head, Stephen, do you know what happened? The snowman. He said happy birthday. Said happy birthday. He got up and began to dance around. And, of course, I'm speaking of Frosty the Snowman and the magic hat, which does not belong to him. So you cannot officially call it Frosty's magic hat. I'm going, of course, by the sacred text, the 1967 uh, animated Rankin-Bass special. But it's a hat that actually flew away from an evil sorcerer, landed on his head, brought him to life, and then the sorcerer wanted the hat back, but he had already given it away. And, of course, there's no take-backs. That's the rules of childhood. But throughout the Man, what childhood did you grow up in? Dude, I grew up in a cartoon, as far as anyone knows. Well, that explains a lot. Does it? Yes, it does. Does it really? Yes. Do you want to go to childhood? Because I don't <laughs> think you do. Um, most importantly, if you actually watch the sequel, never watch the sequel. But if you watch the original, Frosty the Snowman, there are some really, really beautiful moments. And there is a moment with this hat where it proves to not only be magical, but magical in ways that nothing else can be, in that it falls on a puddle of water, and somehow it helps to turn Frosty back into a Frosty snowman again. And that, my friends, is some kind of hat, which is why it's my number three, the magic hat worn and stolen by Frosty the snowman. That's the uh, that's the uh, final uh web that charlotte wove that's some kind of hat some kind of hat exactly yep, yep. right after it said crunchy yep all right we are up to what number twos already <laughs> wow mm-hmm. uh again some people might be surprised that this is number two on my list but it is an iconic hat that everyone recognizes and associates with one man an archaeologist a man who knows how to use a whip and woo the ladies of course i am talking about indiana jones's fedora it never comes off his head ever uh, except when it does, but it is definitely a, a hat that people recognize instantly as part of the part of the recognizable outfit that is Indiana Jones. I mean, if you see Indiana Jones without his fedora, you're like, wait, who is that guy? He looks like that guy that's, that flies the spaceship. Yeah, it looks like ham salad from the. Hey, the- that's the president. Get off what? his plane. What? Now, is the I can't remember if it's in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles or in one of the movies where the we movie. see him a, get it. Is it's it? A, it's the third movie. And he gets so that is canonical to the movies mm-hmm. when he gets the hat from that butthead. Yeah, when he when he steals the hat, or you know, he uh, he comes across some ne'er do wells who are going to do some grave robbing of some Indian uh, burial ground, and he goes and he uh, stops them. Uh, the guy, you know, he doesn't do well. He's like I don't know, thirteen something like that. Um, he doesn't do so well, and then the main 
the main leader of the gang is kind of like, well, kid, you got a lot of heart, puts the hat on Indiana Jones's head and tells him never to get up. And then uh, as uh, Indiana Jones raises his head, he is the older Harrison Ford and he's about ready to punch some people. So that is that is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's a good scene. Yeah. 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 Uh, Rodrigo, number two, please. Number two. Number so, two. um, some hats are made to sit on people's heads and yes. some hats are made to fight. Um, and, uh, there's a character in the Mortal Kombat series named Kung Lao who Ooh. uses a metal hat to beat people up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it's just one of those things where like uh, somebody probably designed like 15,000 characters and it was like, oh, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? And then he like looked at, you know, because there's actual hats that look like this. It's like this, like mm-hmm. really basically a white, a very wide brimmed helmet mm-hmm. uh, with a chin strap. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like one of the Mortal Kombat guys was like, yeah, let's make that guy a character. And let's have him throw his hat at people. And it's like a buzzsaw. Um, which is really all you need for a Mortal Kombat character. It's like, yeah, this guy's like a robot and he throws nets at people. And that's it. That's the character's personality. That's all that happens. Uh, So Kung Lao really lucked out in that you get to see his face and he gets an awesome hat. Uh, Because as far as Mortal Kombat characters go, that's about (laughs) as far as you get, you know, for a personality. Uh, So my number two, Kung Lao's big metal hat. Cool. I thought we were going to have a lot of... uh duplicates on this list but we have not yet I don't Matthew think what do you there's, have for your number two this is such a wide open field now before we go into my under two I, I wanted to take a moment now we are we are 10 pages deep on majorspoilers.com of top fives and I think we're like 200 205 episodes in and occasionally now, I have to preface my comments well, I was going to say if we're 10 pages deep that'd be 140 episodes okay so we're at least 140 plus yeah. some that we did previously so I have to preface my comments occasionally or cause a thing. My number two is kind of a cheat, but it's only a cheat in as much as the text from which it is drawn allows it to be a cheat, which is why my number two is the doctor's hat. There have been 12 doctors in the television series Doctor Who, and of those 12, Nine have shown an affinity for specific hats, whether that be the 11th Doctor's Fez, which is my official answer. The 11th Doctor cannot get rid of his Fez. He always wants a Fez, has a Fez, can't walk by a Fez. But if you look back, even the very first Doctor had his big woolen caracol hat, and the second Doctor had a stovepipe thing. Really, the only Doctors who don't like hats are the ones who are prime divisible by three. Oh, and, and I know really that's not a thing. nice hair. Well, the third doctor put on a hat in his first adventure, but didn't wear one for the remainder of his tenure. Because he has awesome the, hair. Exactly. The sixth doctor has awesome hair and a coat. Putting a hat on that coat would be too much. It's, it'd, be, it'd be what they call a hat on a hat, which is like not it. actually a reference about hats. The ninth doctor was angry and dressed like a submarine captain, so he never wanted a hat. And the twelfth doctor, to date, who is the, the incumbent awesome at the time of this recording, has awesome hair. So your three, six, nine, and twelve have no interest in hats. Virtually all of the other doctors like or always have a hat. And I think that there's something to be said for that. But my official answer is that Fez, because otherwise Stephen won't be mad at me. But 
My actual answer is the doctor's hats, which cover like 2,000 years of space, time, and dimension. The fifth doctor has that cool roll-up Panama hat that you can put in your pocket and then unroll, and you have a hat, but then you put it back in your pocket, and it's like it's out of the way, and it's not like a big pain in the neck, and you don't have to reach back under the steel door. As it, as it's it's going to cut off your hand and get bitten yeah. by a cobra. Yeah, you don't have to do any of that because it's in your pocket. But then you can put it on when you're 55 years old and you have to come back and be the younger version of your character, but you don't want people to see your bald spot. It's perfect, which is why the doctor's hat, my number two. Awesome. We have come to the top of our list. Top of the list. Our number ones. Number one. My number one has been around for forever. It's probably one of the first hats that kids instantly recognize. It is, um, it's, it invokes craziness. It invokes whimsy. It invokes trouble, which is probably why you see people wearing them at raves. <laughs> I am, of course, talking about the Cat in the Hats stovepipe candy, uh, uh, candy cane striped hat. Oh, that's such a good call. I didn't even think of that. It was the first one that I popped into my head when someone had suggested this when they wrote into podcast at Majorspoilers.com to suggest fictional hats. I was like, oh, the best one out there is the Cat in the Hats hat. And uh, there's there's nothing like it, and it is truly one of the most iconic hats in all of fictional history. You can hide anything in that. You thing. can hide a thing one and a thing two. You could put a fish in there as you, well. You can put in a fish. You can put in a dish. You could put in a rake. You can put in a something that rhymes with rake. Baked potato. Exactly. Rodrigo, what do, what do you have for number one? <laughs> um. <laughs> My number one is a uh, an anthropomorphized hat, which as I was uh, going, starting up my list, I'm surprised that I didn't have more of, like living, talking hats. Mm -hmm. um, but this one comes from something that I used to watch as a little kid. Um, we had just all these uh, VHS tapes, look it up, kids, um, of... <laughs> Uh, Disney stuff, just like make mine music and merry melodies and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the little segments is a story about two hats who are in love. And then the girl hat gets bought. They, they live in a department store and then the girl hat gets bought and then uh, the boy hat has to go find her. Uh, so my number one fictional hat is Alice Blue Bonnet, the hat. Oh. Um, now, the the main reason why it's her and not the boy hat, who is Johnny Fedora, the, the, the story is Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, um, is because the whole story or the whole thing is just a song by the Andrews sisters. Um, so another thing to look up. Now, this isn't. Like VHS, this is way before VHS. But uh, the Andrew sisters were excellent musicians. And anytime Alice gets a solo, it's like just really fantastic. Like um, she's like crying about Johnny. She's like, Johnny. And it's like, I don't know. It's just really great. It's just musically really great. And just like such a weird story. Like I would have loved to be at that pitch meeting. It's like, I got one for you. It's two hats that they're in love. <laughs> and one of them blows away in the wind and the other one has to find it. Uh, so, yeah, my number one uh, fictional hat, Alice Blue Bonnet, with, a, with an honorable mention for her boyfriend, Johnny Fedora. Mm -hmm, that's pretty cool. She is you a, see a beautiful, beautiful hat. You see yeah. a lot of those types of stories where the squiggle in the line, uh, mm -hmm. squiggle in the dot, 
Yep, uh, the dot in the line. Dot yeah. in the line. They fall in love. There's another one about. Um, oh, I forget what. The, there's another one that's that's really famous too. That's probably a Hanna Barbera, Warner Brothers bit. Uh, can't forget it. I can't remember. By the way, this is uh, the um, Johnny Fedora and Alice with One. It is is in a collection called Make Mine Music, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that one that collection has some of the most like heart crushingly good and sad stories in the world it's it's uh it features like the disney peter and the wolf which mm-hmm. is amazing but mm-hmm. also the whale that sang at the met mm-hmm. which oh is God, which is such a sad story just yeah. it's beautiful and sad and and also one of those stories where it's just like let's teach kids about classical music yep because it's in the public domain and we don't have to pay for it. Yep. Is that the one with Casey at the Bat too? It yes, it's yep. got Casey yep. at the Bat. Oh, I love Casey at the Bat. Yep. That's a great one. Yeah, it's got also Peter and the Wolf, which is probably, to be honest, Peter and the Wolf and Casey at Bat are the two probably most popular pieces that have come out of that. Because you would see Casey and the Bat all the time. Yep. On uh-huh. uh, like Disney Sunday night movies, yep. and then um, Peter and the Wolf because it's using the uh, Tchaikovsky stuff. Um, gets thrown uh, in in almost every Prokofiev. Uh, yeah, Prokofiev, yeah. Uh, gets thrown in in almost every um every history of music class. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. When I was young, we actually had film loop reels that you could plug into a little machine and sit in a carol and watch. And one of the ones that I would watch over and over and over was Casey at the Bat. And then there were all the animal documentaries narrated by the guy from Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. Yep. Matthew, what do you have for number one? My number one breaks your rule, but fortunately for you, I didn't have this rule in that it is technically a helmet. But. Yeah, I I thought about putting it. I mean, because if you go into the area of masks and just Mm -hmm. like head coverings, because technically head coverings are things that are worn on the head, which are which are a a sub definition of hat, because hat is something that you wear on your head. I mean, I could have put in all sorts of stuff, Darth Vader's helmet, Batman's cowl, all that stuff. So I just, I for me, that, I limited it to just traditional hats. I think I would have accepted Darth Vader's helmet, but not necessarily Batman's cowl. But that's just me. Yeah. But my number one actually dates, predates Batman, predates Darth Vader, predates the character that they took Darth Vader from. But that's not technically true because Darth Vader, I think, is based on a traditional samurai. Neither here nor there. My number one dates back to January of 1940, the very dawn of the golden age of comics. And it is based on the Helmet of Mercury from, uh, from uh, ancient uh, drawings and paintings and, and, and such. And it is essentially a World War I doughboy helmet with golden wings on the side. It's the hat worn by Jay Garrick, the original Flash in DC Comics. And over the years, this hat has actually become this iconic piece of no one can pull it off except for maybe Jay Garrick. But if your Jay Garrick doesn't have that hat or some variation on that hat, it's not right. In 2011, they rebooted the whole DC universe. They gave us a new version of Earth 2 with a new Jay Garrick. They had to find a way to fit the profile of that Mercury helmet into the new Jay Garrick's kind of, you know, the current costumes are all quilted and padded and leathery, but they still had to build that in. And they actually made it look really good, like a bicycle helmet. But... The original helmet is fascinating for two reasons. One, I personally know of at least four in-continuity explanations for why he has it. The, the most uh, prominent being that it was his father's helmet during World War I. 
Um, but there's also one where it was given to him. And of course, if you have been watching the Flash TV show, switch off now for a minute because I'm going to spoiler it. In the Flash TV show, the Jay Garrick character actually gets it. It is handed to him by a man who is a crazy evil man who killed him and stole his identity. And he put on the hat to try and take a little something back from the evil man who stole his identity. And I'll tell you, the moment where he did that, my house broke into cheers. Mm -hmm. my, my, my 12-year-old kid, my wife, and Sarah were all like, yeah! And I was just sitting over there. I was full of tears. I was like, it's so beautiful. It's, that is so beautiful. And I almost bought a helmet in college that was a perfect silver doughboy helmet at an antique shop. But I didn't want to go to the pet store and figure out how to fit the wings on. So I didn't ever spend the $120. I really should have. Because had I had it, I could wear it today. I could wear the helmet of Jay Garrick. My number one hat, also used to deflect bullets and bombs and occasionally as a thrown weapon, which I think is beautiful. Yeah, I've actually got that helmet. You do? Yep. Oh, I actually, I've seen you wear I actually that. wear you it on occasion, yeah. Place. Yeah. I'm jealous. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's it probably a lot, lot of money. Fun. No. In fact, you can buy, there's a replica right now that someone's selling online that's only 50 bucks. Don't know how good it is. It's probably plastic. Well, you and I have a different idea of what's a whole lot of money. <laughs> well, it's not It's not the $400 that it costs to buy a... Um, um, Power An Rangers actual helmet. helmet? No, a Power right. Rangers helmet. Those are spendy, yeah. If I could if I could get a Green Ranger helmet, uh, a Dragon Ranger, yeah, I would. But, you know, that's car money where I come from. $450, yeah. man. Yeah, you can buy a, a new car from 1975. I don't buy new cars. I buy that's used. what I'm saying. For you, it's new. For everyone <laughs> else, it's... It's uh, It's from 1975. Yeah, it's it's new salvage. to you. Yeah, yeah exactly. From nice. the Andrew sisters. All right, listeners, we have Don't made it all the way through yet. our top fives, and now it's time for you to head over to Majorspoilers.com. There is a link in the show notes uh, where you can just click on that link. It'll take you right to Major Spoilers, and then in the comments section, you can share your top five fictional hats. And if you want to use helmet or mask or whatever, that's fine, too. Something that's worn on the head. But uh, if you want to keep it just strictly hats, keep it strictly hats. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of my favorite... Um, favorite movies of 1987 strictly uh, hats strictly hats and uh until next time just remember everybody loves a list take care you guys just go ahead and do top five i'll just come back once you put it down <laughs>